This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Amen. Convinced living water changes everything one life at a time. We are continuing to talk about unleashing and unlocking the power of God in your life. There's never been a greater moment when people need to see the reality of who God is than now. And it is not brought home in any truer way than what just happened over in Europe where there is tragedy and there is confusion and there is death. People need an anchor for their soul. And I, again, am not knowing the timing and the uh, things that the Lord may or may not allow and the things that when the Lord is coming, we know that the signs of the times are coming. But what God may allow us to do before he comes, what is clear in his word is to we are to occupy. That doesn't mean hold the fort, lock the doors, and hope that Jesus comes and just takes us away. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. I know that I bring this out because sometimes even when we've heard a lot, and I know I've spoken a lot recently, about the signs of the times, and it's true. Jesus is coming, but that Jesus coming should not cause us to hunker down or to say, well, then, that we just better hold on and, and not be effective. Jesus wants us to go until he comes. He's got a plan for his church. And he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So be encouraged to not come into heaven coasting or hiding, but go into heaven with the afterburner on. Wound up for Jesus. If we're going to be passionate about anything, it ought to be the Lord. I understand and I know that everybody's personalities are different and we are not all created the same. Sometimes we celebrate that and it's good and sometimes it's a trial. But that's how God has created us. And God's created us that with a purpose. But as we talk about unlocking and unleashing God's power in our lives, obedience has never been more key also in a world that we live in now. People need to see that we are true Christ followers. That we are the genuine article that we're not just as Jesus walked up to the fig tree and saw nothing but leaves and no fruit. We don't want the Lord to have us being out in the world, acting and showing like we're religious, and when people come to pick the fruit, there's nothing there. We need to be the genuine article. And so as we look today, we are going to be looking at 2 Kings chapter 18. We're going to be looking in the life of Hezekiah. And again, we're talking about obedience. 
But as we look at 2 Kings, Hezekiah, and his life, it is one of these examples that we have. And the example of Hezekiah, if you could title this, is an example done unto the Lord. The reason I say that, it is because there has been something that I have been talking about that I've continued to link to obedience as we've been going through this first part of uh, unlocking and unleashing the power of God in our lives. And that uh, uh, word is not just obedience, but the one that I'm connecting it to is relationship. You will not obey God without having personal relationship with Him. You will fight. It will be a, this is why when the Bible says that he's going to take out your old heart and give you a new one and he will move you to follow after him. This is why I tell people, I don't have to fall. I don't have to. I get to serve God. I serve him with a whole heart. I serve him because I love him. That's relational. So you, you have to, and when you talk about obedience, understand that if relationship is not there, it will never be what it ought to be. All right, so let's look at the life of Hezekiah, and we're looking at verse number one of chapter 18. Now, it came about in the third year of Hoshea, the king of Elah, king of Israel, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. And he removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. He also broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor among those who were before him. For he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept his commands, which the Lord had commanded Moses. What an incredible, incredible life. To have that kind of a synopsis written about you is an incredible thing. And uh, you know what, we don't have time to just uh, look, but if you've ever looked through the either Chronicles or Kings or the area where it goes through the kings of Israel and Judah, because we remember that after David the kingdom was divided, okay? So uh, as you look at this, it is such a tragedy that you see time after time after time that this king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This king did horrible things in the eyes of God. And so when you look at one of these and you see Hezekiah, you think, yes, 
someone who had their heart set on doing what is right according to the Lord. And I bring that up because I want you to know being obedient to God can happen. I do not want you to have the idea or to, in our uh, uh, talking and, and bringing these uh, discussions of, of experiencing the power of God, that if somehow you are not perfect in obedience, you will never see the power of God move in your life, that you will never be effective. All of these men and women that we have been talking about, according to the word, were men and women just like you and I. Yet, when they set their heart on the Lord, even when they had moments of failure, God covered them because their hearts were after God. You hear that? So, so when the enemy of your soul or other things around you, people or whatever, try to discourage you because you have not been yet perfect or because maybe you have fallen in an area, that's okay. Get up and with all your heart, get your eyes on the cross and never look back. Never look back. Because when you set your heart on God, it makes a difference. So let's talk about three things in allowing the power of God to move and work in you in obedience that we are going to need to do as we look at the life of Hezekiah. And the first one is idols. Isn't it amazing that Moses was instructed, and you can read the story in Exodus 21. You can read the story about how that because of the disobedience and, and, uh, of, of the children of Israel as the, uh, Moses led them out, God got uh, uh, disgusted and he allowed serpents to enter the camp. And the serpents began biting everybody. And so they pleaded and called on the Lord and the Lord instructed Moses to make a bronze snake and that when they were in the, the presence of these snakes and they were being bit, if he would hold it up and the people would look to it, they would be saved and the, the bites wouldn't harm them. But what a great thing that God did. But after they had entered the promised land and continued serving the Lord and the story was told and maybe retold and retold and because of that one thing that was kept, all of a sudden we read here, what did the children of Israel start doing? They started literally burning incense to it. Not to God, not to Jehovah who had delivered them, but to a piece of brass. And if you look at that, that uh, word, neheshtem, it literally means piece of brass. They started making a god out of a piece of brass. Now, 
I want us to, to just ponder for a moment because I, I know that in, in our country, although I believe idol worship happens with a physical idol, that oftentimes we look at this and we will quickly go over our hearts thinking, well, I've never bowed down or burned incense to any brass or anything in my life, and yet there are idols in our hearts. See, yes, it can be fixed on a particular object, but it can also be other things that you are worshiping because you're fixated on them. You have fixed your mind on them. So you say, well, Pastor Brian, how do I know? Well, here it says that they burned incense to it and gave it a name. Now, why didn't they just, all of us, listen, hear, hear, hear my heart. Please do not go and in a legalistic way, go through your house and, and I mean, I think we've all been through the time where you throw out everything because you think anything that's hanging on your wall is an idol, okay? That's not what I'm saying. This is a heart issue. First of all, I would say that if you have something that you are burning incense to, Stop! Because that could be happening in America. I don't want to say that it doesn't. So if you have an idol and you have somehow, uh, whether through incense or anything else, you are paying homage to this thing, stop. Don't do it. That's idol worship. But maybe you aren't burning incense physically on the outside, but you're burning it every week or every day on the inside of your heart. Do you hear me? Now, now, that's where I'm asking, and uh, for all of us who are serving God, I think from time to time, we need to allow the Holy Spirit the, the opportunity to say, can I go through this door? And not have us go, no, not that one. <laughs> Go to that one over there. God, I've got that one all in order. Don't come to this one. <laughs> but that we say, when the Spirit says, can I come in there? We say, sure, Lord. And if the Lord comes in here and says, what about this? I know it's nothing. <laughs> please don't go home and say, Pastor Brian said mic stands were evil. <laughs> that's, the, not, that's missing the point. But if the Lord grabs something out of your heart's closet and said, this needs to go, would you be willing to say, yes, Lord, take it? Take it. And that's, that's what we're talking about. So, first of all, us who are following the Lord, we need to say, Lord, I am willing to let go of anything that has even 
close become an idol. If you tap on it, Jesus, if you tap on it, Holy Spirit, and say, what about this? I'll just say, take it, Lord, it's yours. I am serving you. I want to worship him. He is the one. And I think all of us uh, need to have that from time to time. And before we move on, I will say, especially when a great event has happened, especially when God has blessed you with maybe an incredible relationship. I, bar none, will tell you, the person that has my heart more than anyone on the face of the earth is Jill Marie. But she is a person unto the Lord, and I have to worship the Lord. You hear me? We get sidetracked by good things God places in our lives. Don't offer uh, that position of worship and homage to anyone other than Him. Amen. All right. And then here's your scripture verse in case uh, you want to write it down. Of course, we all probably are aware of this one, Exodus 20, 4 through 5, where... Uh, God says, you shall not make yourself an idol or any likeness. And by the way, he says, in heaven, above or on the earth or beneath the water, under the earth, you shall not worship or serve them, for I am the Lord your God. God is very clear. Then the other incredible thing that Hezekiah did, he got rid of that, but then it says something about him. It says that he trusted, verse number 5, look at it, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Now I looked at that word trust, and this is what I've got. Rely on, sure of, reliability or bank on. But you know, every time I look at that, I think, well, you know, banks, I don't bank on them much at all. <laughs> and I think all of us can say that after what we've been through. Not a lot of surety in that. But this, I thought, was great for the definition of trusted. Belief in one's integrity, ability, and character to carry it out. Now that's... Hezekiah put his trust in the Lord. He put his trust in the Lord's integrity. He put his trust in the Lord's ability. And he put his trust in the Lord's character as a person. He trusted. Now I will tell you, if, if you've ever thought you've trusted something... Uh, until you actually do the thing, you really haven't trusted. Like you may trust, well, that certainly if I sit in the stool, it will hold me up. But if you saw that I sat in it and it broke and I brought out another one exactly like it and said, would you come and, and uh, please sit in it? You'd have some questions, wouldn't you? <laughs> but... Trust is an amazing thing. Oop, I went backwards. Now there, 
is a different definition of trust, wouldn't you say? Now, it's one thing to sit in a chair and be about two and a half, three feet maximum off the floor. If I fall down, I may hurt a day or two, but I'm going to live to tell about it. (laughs) But now, this is placing a lot more trust than this, wouldn't you say? Now, what I will say about this, do you realize in this picture the amount of relationship and the amount of having to know this person from her? Do you realize that? Do you realize that this probably wasn't Uh, an interaction like, hey, I've got this neat swinging rope and I'm going to put my legs around it and you're going to jump out and we're going to be about uh, 200 feet above the ground and I'm going to catch you. And I'm sure she would have said, yeah, right. (laughs) These are people that have worked together for years. And she has gotten to the point where she knows that there's no question when I let go of that other side of the rope and reach out for his hands, he will catch me. May I tell you that even in this picture, and I put it there for a reason because, uh, you know, I, I... I don't know because I'm, I'm assuming she's fine, okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to, but what I'm saying is, there's a part of this picture we don't know. Agreed? There's a part of the picture that is undone because we don't see the other side. But may I tell you that as assured as these people do it over and over again, that when you step out and God says, let go, it's not a human being or a person who could not catch you on the other side of the rope. It's Him. So as you're looking at this, understand that this is a, a some sort of a conceptual area of trust, but we are not talking about putting your trust in a human being who will fail you. My trust for my wife is bar on the face of the earth my greatest sense of trust that I have. When she tells me something, I know that it's trusted. That's the kind of relationship I have. But I'm telling you, in your greatest relationships... We are human and we fail one another. We do. Because we're human beings. So even in this, understand, there could be a time where, and there has been in history, where people have failed to catch. It hasn't been because they've wanted to let go. It hasn't been because they, uh, uh, could you imagine having these two get together and and having her say, wow, we just got into a very bad discussion and now we've got to go jump. 
I don't know if that makes me comfortable. (laughs) The more time you spend with the Lord, the greater trust you're going to have. See what I'm saying? And God is not a human on the other side of the rope. He's going to catch you. It is, I don't know, uh, in the best way I can describe it, it is no possibility of God not being there. Now, sometimes I have been foolish and stepped out and done something where God says, I didn't tell you to do that. (laughs) Anybody been there? But God will never fail you. Okay? Hezekiah put his trust in the Lord. And my point is this. If you are going to put your trust in the Lord, you have to be around him. This is what the proverb says in 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That shows someone who has had a relationship with God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That happens because you've learned to depend on them. You know that he is reliable. You know that there's going to be an answer. And then I want to take you to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 4. When we talk about trust, when we talk about about, uh, uh, the Lord moving in us and people seeing Jesus in us, it happens through relationship. It happens because we know we've been with Jesus, okay? And that's where I want to talk to you about Acts chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, It says, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. If we're going to have the kind of trust that God wants us to have, we're going to have to spend time with him. That means we're going to have to get out of the mindset of saying, God, uh, I'm going to come and uh, I'll see you on Sunday and I'll see you next Sunday. I hope that I challenge you that don't make that your only scripture time. Don't make that your only worship time. Don't make that your only time that you connect with the Lord. Connect with Him constantly, always, through every day of the week because it's there that you will begin to rely on Him. You will have an assurity. You will have a reliability. You will know the integrity, the ability, and the character of God. All right. Then the next, let's go back to our passage of Scripture. He talks about not only did Hezekiah have a heart that trusted, 
he uses a term in verse 6. He says, for he clung to the Lord and did not depart from following him. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Um, But there are some times I will walk over a piece of gum and the consistency uh, of it just seems to hit my shoe and then it comes off real easy. There are other times that I have stepped on a piece of gum and it seems like 50 strands of the gum have come with my shoe. And you don't know what to do because are you going to put your hand down there or what are you going to try to do, right? I want you to get a picture of what cling means. I want you to have that picture. When when it says that he clung to the Lord, it literally means to tightly hold on with tenacity. Man, now that's holding on. That's saying, I'm going to hold on here. To never let go. He clung to the Lord and he did not depart. I've had some pieces of gum like this that even when I've grabbed a stick and take it off my shoe and then I walk around a little more and I get home and take my shoe off, there's still the remnants of the gum. And then I can take it and put it under the sink and I can still try. And you know, I find myself thinking three months later, that gum is still on my shoe. I hope you cling that way to the Lord with tenacity. I know I've talked about sour cream before. Now I'm giving you an analogy of sticking to God like gum on the bottom of your shoe. But I'm talking about clinging to him. I'm talking about saying, God, there is nothing that is going to take me away from you. I am clinging. Amen? I have uh, said, I've gone through... uh, Times in my life where uh, through great either turmoil or circumstance it puts you in a spot where you have to say, am I going to hang on to God? Am I going to trust God even though all of these things have happened? And I have gone through a little exercise in my mind where I, with the Lord, have just said, God, I have decided that. I don't know what may happen in my life. I don't know what will happen tomorrow. I don't know the days that my life has in it. I don't know what may or may not happen with family members I love. I may not know what happens in the world or what. But one thing I decide this day, I will not let you go. I won't let you go. Tragedy may strike me. I'm not letting you go. The world may be in turmoil. I'm not letting you go. I am not going to let go of you. 
because you need to have that kind of tenacity because in this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation, trouble, trials. The scripture says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There are things because we live in a sinful world that we don't understand. Are you going to hold on to God? Cling to Him. The world desperately needs a witness of someone that says, I don't have all the answers. I don't know what may happen. But I know one thing. I'm stuck to God. I am not letting go. The psalmist put it this way. Oh God, thou art my God. I shall seek thee earnestly. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh yearns for thee. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you have that kind of tenacity for God? I hope so. If you haven't, if you're here and you say, I don't know, develop it. Get into that point where you make, all of us have to say, you say, well, Pastor Brian, you don't know what may happen. I don't. But I have said, regardless of what happens, I will not turn back from my God. Period. He says, Thus I have beheld thee in the sanctuary to see thy power and thy glory. Because of thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise thee. So I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. Listen to this. When I remember thee on my bed. Now that's significant. Because, you know, there should be a, no, not a moment when we aren't thinking about the Lord even when we're laying our head down to rest, just to consider and thank Him and be in His presence. And it says here, I meditate on thee in the night watches. Is your mind so focused on God that you go to bed thinking about Him? I would challenge you, it's a whole lot better thinking about Him than it is our problems. Take a load off that problem and, and think about God as you're drifting off to sleep. Think about His greatness. Think about that He knows the stars by name, each one of them. Begin to give Him praise that He's due. Your sleep will become sweet. For thou hast been my help. And in the shadow of thy wings I sing for joy. Now listen to what he says. My soul clings to thee. 
cling to him. Cling to him with tenacity that says, I will not let you go. Cling to him. Thy right hand upholds me. Praise the Lord. What a great, great thing. I want to read uh, one other place to you. This one is not written down, but turn with me. Psalm 91. One of the greatest psalms, and I think it's so apropos as we talk about clinging to the Lord. Listen to what this says. Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For verse 3, he is the one who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. God is the one who will shadow you. He'll he'll be over you. How are we to see the world to know the greatness and know the power of God? By clinging to Him. By clinging to Him. You know, we cling to... uh, a lot of crazy things. I have never seen anything. I, I really, uh, th- this is not to make a political statement, okay? Uh, God says we need to t- take care of our planet. I get it. But I'm telling you, I'm not green. I'm Jesus's. Do you hear me? Okay? So I, I, I get that God says be a good steward of what he's placed in your hands. But when I see somebody willing to chain themselves to a tree, that is clinging to nonsense. Do you understand what I'm saying? Cling to God, not to nonsense. All right, bow your head with me. I'm going to leave that picture with you. I want to just quickly... First ask 